Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. As you can tell from a lack of stinkiness in this Zoom call, Jim is not here this week. He's actually gone away this week, Stan, hasn't he? Yeah, he's gone um, He's gone doing a, uh, a tree surgeon course in uh, Leicester, I think. That's where he is. Somewhere like that. Anyway, that's what yeah. he was telling me. He's, uh, yeah, he's really interesting in, uh, in in trees at the moment. Uh, very. He's had quite a few conversations with uh, Greta about, obviously, the state of uh, the climate at the moment, and mm. he just wants to do something about that. And I think mm. he, he did a bit of research, and there's a, you can get a scholarship for some tree surgeon uh, courses up at Leicester. So fair play to him. I hope he, I hope he does well with that one. Yeah, fair play, Jim. And uh, I'll, I know what I'll be getting you for Christmas this year. Woucher. Getting Woucher. Some, uh, some tree surgeon courses. But whilst Jim's talking about the, of the economic state of the world, Stan, with Greta, there's only one place to start with us today. And it's to talk about the economical state of the world, like Jaden Smith wants us to do. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So, so deep. I mean... Uh... There's two players that have arrived. I mean, Jim's not here, <clears throat> but there are two players that are here, or by here, if I'm talking about Stamford Bridge. Um, and that is Raheem Sterling, who's been fully announced today. Picture of him in the kit on the official Chelsea page. He looks good. And we've had a here we, here we go as well from uh, Mr. Romano um, regarding Kelly Dukuli Bali from Napoli. So one definitely sewn up, official and confirmed by the club's page, and one 99% sewn up, obviously, with, with Romano. We know how, uh, how reliable he is, Cook. So talk us through a couple of them. And I know we've, we've spoken about Sterling, but is there anything extra you want to say now? Is officially a, a, a blue? He looks good. He looks so good. He looks like he, yep. I don't know, it almost looks like he belongs in that shirt. I know that sounds weird to say, obviously, because he's been at two teams in the Northwest, but fair play to Raheem. He's, he's used City and Liverpool as stepping stones to get to the big leagues and fair, fair play <laughs> to him, Stan. <laughs> nah, I'm only messing, obviously. But nah, Sterling, obviously, I've already said my piece on him and how buzzing I am but to actually see him in the kit in LA and apparently he's going to train with the boys later today which is class and Koulibaly well sorry Sterling shared a jet with Broja going out there yesterday he's linking up with the squad as well and now Koulibaly's doing the second part of his medical in LA tomorrow he's on a jet that's going to leave pretty soon so yeah it's good to see Sterling it's good to get one officially over the line but more importantly, Stan, it's more important that we got in a centre-half and we've got in a really experienced centre-half who, not having a dig, but United have been keeping tags on him for quite a while, haven't they? Yeah, we've, we've, we've been linked to him quite often, uh, but Napoli and uh, they've always wanted that £70, £75 million. Pounds, uh, what are Chelsea getting him for? Thirty-eight million euros plus two million in add-ons. Right, so it's about half then of what they've what they've touted around before. When I think I seem to remember we did a podcast on City, and one of the pictures was him in a City shirt. So I think he's been linked to a lot of um, a lot of these top clubs. Obviously, he's never ended up going for one reason or another, which you know we we might find out why some of these big clubs have avoided him, or or we might not. But yeah, United definitely were linked in. In with him, and I mean, and you say you needed some centre backs. Obviously, you've lost Christensen, you've lost Rudiger. Um, in terms of playing style, which one do you think he's he's closer to replacing? Yeah, I mean, to to be honest with you, losing Rudiger was like a dagger to the heart 
And I mean that. I love Rudiger and I always will. Mm-hmm. Whereas Christiansen, aka period pains, I'm not asked about one <laughs> bit. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's ways to leave a football club and we won't really go into that now. But Koulibaly, it's easy to say he's a Rudiger replacement because they're both very physical and they're both very tidy on the ball, got a ping on them as well. So they're very like-for-like in some respects. Both play left centre-back, preferably in a, in a back three. But the great thing about Koulibaly and the good thing for Chelsea is he's so versatile and he's actually right-footed, I believe. So, yeah. so he's he's playing left side of a back three and Chelsea have a few players, obviously, one potentially coming in the door pretty soon, Nathan Ake, who will looking like he'll go on that side of the back three. And we also have a, a youth prospect uh, in by the name of Levi Caldwell, who spent last season at Huddersfield, got to a playoff final. And that's his position as well, left side on a back four or a back three. So Koulibaly, I think, is being bought for our right-hand side. And I think that Ake, Caldwell and Silva with Chalaber will probably have to rotate that. And it's a, it's a massive signing for us. And it's, it's so cheap. And it means that we, we can go out there and there's still money to be spent for us I think I think we're still I think we'll get four more players you know I think I think we've got Sterling and Koulibaly basically in the door we still need a wing back for the right hand side and arguably we still need a front man so we'll see we'll see what happens there but but yeah Koulibaly over the door I'm buzzing with that and I know we said Stan obviously um, off mic you were saying well maybe there's a reason why no one's touched it do you reckon that's because Napoli are bastards to negotiate with for lack of a better term or it's just a lack of ambition on his behalf at that time or maybe in a loyalty to Napoli because De Laurentiis their president's a knobhead um, it could be a mix of all of them I think but uh, I, I think the summer that United were um, very strongly linked with him and I, I think by a lot of reliable people uh, we ended up obviously buying Harry Maguire for 80 million so the money was there so I think had United really wanted him, they would have given him, I think, well, he would have been less, 75 million euros. Let's call that 70 million pounds or something. Uh, obviously 10 million less, but Maguire's moved on. Obviously he's got his detractors, but Koulibaly's still at Napoli. Uh, well, until obviously he signs for Chelsea very shortly, but he's stayed at Napoli since then, should I say. And, and again, like I said before, I think the Summer City were very strongly linked with him. They went out and got Ruben Diaz for 60, 65 million. So again, not very far off what Napoli would have wanted then. And both both Manchester clubs have opted for for different signings for one reason or another. So we'll see maybe why he's never got that move to the Prem, have scouts and, and stuff had issues maybe with him, his playing style, or did they just not think he was worth that amount of money or was he not that fussed about about leaving I, I don't know and I guess we'll see he's a little bit older now he's not in his prime obviously it's been a few years since um, you know people have spoken about him as being one of the best centre-backs in Europe but I suppose a positive note for Chelsea is you saw how well Thiago Silva did last season as a 35 year old so if he can come in a back three obviously you've got two other centre-arse with you helps you if you have got a few mistakes at the, at the beginning whilst you're bedding in and maybe it takes you a little while to get used to you know the Premier League which we know is so different than, than any other league in the world and even the best players take a little bit of time to adapt here um, 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, like I say, it'll be, it'll be alongside Thiago Silva. Uh, Nathan Ake might be coming in, so that could be a, a strong three there, replacing Christensen and Rudiger in terms of numbers in those centre-back areas anyway. But do you think that with Koulibaly and Sterling coming in, do you think there's going to be any change of style or formation uh, for Chelsea over the season? Yeah, I reckon that obviously with the players that we've signed, I would say our MO for signing players over the past two years or so has been versatility as well as ability. Hence why we went and got Havertz, Werner, um, just players of that ilk. Werner can play anywhere along the front three. Havertz, the the exact same. Obviously, you've seen him play up front as well. And even players like Nathaniel Chalaber, I know he's not signed him, but Tuchel's kept him around. He can play centre-half, any side fullback, and his actual position is defensive midfield. So, But I, I reckon... To be honest with you, with Chelsea at the moment, we're, we're looking to... We've not been found out, I would say, with the three at the back. I just think that our best players in that system were injured a lot last season and we <laughs> suffered a lot from that, especially with Lukaku. And I, I hate defending him, but I can only put the blame on him so much. James and Chilwell whipping a ball in and compared to Alonso and Aspi, it's, it's day and night. I'm sorry, but it is. And... I can see us going to a back four and I think that's one of the reasons why we're bringing in a centre-half in Ake, we're bringing in a centre-half in Koulibaly, Silva's staying and it looks like we're going to promote one potentially in Levi Colwell as well. I just think that people need to remember Silva's 38 in, I think, October and Colwell is a silver replacement by the looks of it and Chelsea need almost that thing in the back pocket where they can go to a back four. Like At times just through injury we had to play a back four because we never had five defenders so that 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 happened and especially with five subs i can see chelsea mixing up formation wise either a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 this year 100 percent of course i mean another get chelsea have signed a winger in raheem sterling cup <laughs> another winger that they were after is obviously rafinha from leeds who we now know was signed for the so-called skint Barcelona, who I think have just signed him, is it about 70 million euros? I think the deal could go up to 75 million euros. Yeah, uh, I think, is it about is it, is it about 55, 60 up front, but it could rise to 70, 75. So, um, I mean, how do you feel about that one? I mean, would you have taken Sterling over him in the first place or would you, would you like to have had both? Well, to be fair, it's, it's it's pretty greedy, but I would have had them both because this whole Sterling thing, we contacted him for the first time right after the Champions League final. And the first contact that Rafinha had had with Barca was five months ago. I think Fabrizio said they agreed terms five months ago. And like we've already stated on the pod, South Americans, they cla- like, sorry, they, they clamour for Barca and Madrid and they, they, they obviously it's all they know. But it was no secret Rafinha was holding out for them. But I'm gutted we didn't get him because if he if we did get him, it was a night. To be honest with you, it's pissed me off a bit because obviously Leeds are doing what's best for the player, but at the same time they have to do what's best for them. The Chelsea were offering him sixty million quid up front, which is it's yeah. it's mad money. But yeah, I'm gutted because he comes in and he's better than a lot that we've got. He's better than Adore. He's better than Ziyech. <laughs> he probably gets in with with Mount and Sterling, if we do go to that back four with Havertz up front. But he walks into Chelsea's team and he's he's walking into a Barca team as well, who have on the same mm. day extended Usman Dembele by two years. And this it, yeah. it's mental. It's so mental. And I'm that pissed off Barca. I've cancelled my Spotify subscription. I've gone straight to Apple Music now. 
<laughs> so you can fuck off. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he'll he'll um, he'll go straight into Barca's team, like you say. I think Chavi. Chavi's wanted him for a while and I think Rafinha's wanted Barca for a while so I think that's just one of them where of course Chelsea were interested because oh, yeah. he's been very impressive over the last two years for Leeds so I'm not surprised that Chelsea uh, and who was it Arsenal uh, were, were interested because I mean why why wouldn't you be especially if you can take advantage of Barcelona's uh, economic status should we say at the moment um, did, although did I'm not see, sure um, I know it, go, on, go on sorry no, I was going to say, did you see what um, Lewandowski's wife put on Insta? Yeah, yeah. That was funny. Well, she just, so well, just for, saying, for anyone that, that doesn't know, uh, basically she was doing a Q&A on Insta and then someone said, are you and your lovely family coming to Barcelona? And she replied saying, this is a question I would like the answer to. <laughs> 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 so it just well, says that, it all, doesn't it? It says it all. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Again, you know, I'm sure we'll be speaking about Lewandowski in, in the next few weeks. I think Barca are going to come in with their final bid to Bayern of yeah. 15 million euros up front after what um, Bayern said about the last bid, which included add-ons and instalments over however many years. And Bayern pretty much turned around and said, we're not accepting any bids from Barcelona with add-ons and instalments because we don't think that there'll be a club in 12 months which very strong words fighting talk but I mean looking at the state of, of how much they owe some of the players in deferred wages um, yeah. na- namely namely Frankie de Jong which seems to be the main reason that his deal to United is being held up um, you know it, it might not be too far off the mark maybe not 12 months but you know four or five years you absolutely no idea what situation Barca will be in pulling these economic levers in terms to free up, you know, and bring in certain amounts of money. I think, was it 350 million, Laporta said, they had to bring yeah, in this yeah. summer. Yeah. Uh, or else they'd be in deep trouble. And, you know, I think the old Frankie, a certain, like, is it 15, 20 million yeah, euros? Yeah. I know the old, the old PK, a ridiculous amount of money, you basically took Busquets. like a 90, a 90% wage cut. Busquets, I think most of the players have deferred oh, wages. Yeah. But, that there are some players in which, you know, like your Deongs and, and your your PKs, who the money that they owe very shortly uh, is going to be in the tens of millions for the, for these individual players. And they're spending 60 million euros pretty much up front on, on Rafinha, whilst like you've already mentioned as well, that they've just extended Dembele's uh, contract to plays off the right in a front three as well. So did they even need Rafinha? Is it a bit of a... And they've got Ansu Fati. Well, yeah, there's that as well. I mean, Torres? is it a slap in the face to these Barca players who've stayed there, deferred wages and taken cuts that Barca have now got access to these money, uh, this money, sorry, through the levers. And instead of paying them out right now and getting rid of that issue, allowing players to move on, they're going by in wingers like Rafinha. And I also saw that they're very close to a deal for Jules Koundé as well. How would you feel if you were De Jong, PK, Alba, Busquets? I'd, I would honestly be fuming. I would literally be going up to him going, what do you think you're playing at? You're trying to... Well, Fr- Frankie's basically, from from what you were saying to me um, about the situation, he's basically saying, right, I, I'll go, but just pay me. He's like, right, I'll go. Because I'm one of the only saleable assets you've got. I realise that. But you need to pay me what I'm owed because I've played. He's actually done the labour. I know it's not labour, but it's... It, do you know what I mean? He's done the work. Well, yeah, he's, he's done what he was contracted to do. He's played football. <laughs> he agreed. He, he signed a contract to defer wages, and now the time's coming up to have the wages that he is owed. Barca are pretty much saying, 
well, you know, you can either scrap your wage as you're old and take a, a wage cut or you're leaving. Well, brilliant. Cheers for that. <clears throat> After two or three years of service and taking a wage cut initially. Could you imagine being at work and then going, look, money's tight at the moment. You need to take a 50% wage cut, but we'll owe you, we'll, we'll give you shit. We'll give you it all in back pay in two years. And you're going, you know what? That's shit, but fuck it. I'll do it. I love being here, which is basically what he said. And then two years later, when they come to owe you that money, then going, yeah, we, we're not going to give you that money. But um, So not only are we not going to give you that money, we need you to take another pay cut. <laughs> You're going to tell them to fuck off, which is why I think all the noise from Frankie's agents, I know this isn't about Dion, but all the noise from Frankie's agents are he has no intention of leaving, which pretty much translates into he has no intention of writing off that money that Barca owe him because as soon as he starts to push his way out, Barca can go well, you can go, mate, but you've got to write off this money and sign this dotted line to say we don't owe you fifteen million in, in fifteen million euros in wages. So it is a massive slap in the face. But I suppose from a Barcelona fans' point of view, um, you've brought in a brilliant winger in Rafinha, and you're on your way to bringing in one of the best defenders in La Liga for Jules Koundé. But it, it doesn't really. It doesn't really make sense. They are clearly robbing Peter to pay Paul at the moment. And maybe Bayern will be right in 12 months. You know, there may be massive consequences for how they're acting. Yeah, and last thing, last thing on Barca. They, they had a meeting with Todd Bowley in Barcelona last last week about Alonso and Aspilicueta. So they're not even done there. They, they, they're still flashing yeah. cash. And I, I, yeah. I don't understand how it can happen, but, but it's, it's just mental. I don't understand how they can do it. And... and at what point, Stan? Like I said, just final thing on Barca. At what point is enough enough? And you go, we can't trust these fuckers as a as a player as a new signing. Well, that's it. I mean, they've still clearly got the juice. Rafinha wanted him. Jules Koundé, I mean, was and probably still is. You know, amongst the Premier League clubs, one of the most wanted players yeah. or one of the most wanted defenders. And I know he's not had as good a season this year as he has done in the last two, but still Premier League clubs would have him. And he only really wants Barca. Rafinha only wanted Barca. So they've still got that juice. De Jong, it is his dream club, no matter what, whether you know or not, that, that means he's, he's refusing to leave. I don't believe, but they are his dream club. I, I assume things have soured now, but how long they can hold onto this juice? I don't, I don't know, but it kind of, <clears throat> it reminds me of when maybe you've lent your mate money. And they clearly owe you 50 quid and you can see them out and they're like, oh, do you like me new shoes? Yeah, they cost me 100 quid and that. I got them yesterday and oh, do you want a pint, mate? And all that. And you're kind of sat there thinking, fucking hell, stop buying everybody drinks and showing off your new shoes and give me that fucking money you owe me. So that, that's that's kind of the situation that's at Barca. But it is ridiculous and, you know, I, I, I don't really like them as a club. So I do hope that it comes back to bite them because it'd be very, very funny. But there we go. Let's see. So on the subjects of South Americans, as we've said earlier on in the pod, Rafinha has unfortunately joined Barcelona. But Stan, a man that is on the verge of joining Man United, looks like he's snubbing Arsenal. Lissandro Martinez, Argentinian centre-half. What are your thoughts on him? Um, well, it's, it's, it's first of all, obviously, Arsenal, I think, inquired initially. And, and then United have come in. And I think... United have a very good relationship with Ajax spanning years and I think also the Ten Hag thing and the fact that United are probably always willing 
or going to be able to spend more than Arsenal. I think they probably realised pretty quickly that it wasn't something that they were ever going to get, um, you know, the most out of or any anything out of really. So they seem to have dropped out. Although it seems to me, well, Lissandro, I think after he's, he actually got player of the season for Ajax, obviously won the league and, and a massive key component alongside Jury and Timber, who again, United were after at the start of the summer, but that quickly ended once. Mr. Van Gaal told him he might not be in the Dutch squad, so we've kind of switched our attention to his partner, uh, who's smaller than him. I think Timber's 5'10", 5'11", and, and Lissandro Martinez is 5'9", so very small for a centre-half. Um, but yeah, Ajax wanted €50 million Euros guaranteed. I think United offered 45 guaranteed with five in bonuses, to which they rejected which is obviously totals 50, but wasn't 50 guaranteed. And then they kind of turned around and went, nah, we want 55 to 60 guaranteed now. So they have changed the goalposts a bit, which I'm not, I don't think Martinez has enjoyed because there's been a lot of reports saying that he is willing to, you know, force this through because he feels like he's been not betrayed, that's probably too harsh, but maybe tricked a little bit where promised 50 million. A club's come in and offered 50 million in total and then they've gone, now nah, we want 55, 60. But it looks like United are going to do that. Um, 45, 46 million up front with some add-ons in there, which isn't, you know, mad considering, like I said before, we bought Harry Maguire for 80 uh, not so long ago. But I mean, on on the topic of that, had we obviously we bought Malassia um, or Malassia, I don't know how you say his name for left back. Had we not bought him, I actually would have thought Martinez because of his height would be coming into maybe be competition for Luke Shaw. Um, because look, if Rafael if Rafael Varane's fit, he's going to play because he's Rafael Varane. Uh, Harry Maguire is Ten Hag's captain. He came out the other day, so he's going to play, and he is always available. So there's your two centre halves. United and Ten Hag don't play a three, and never really have played a three. So the only other position for me that he could fit in is defensive midfield, which is a position which United fans, you know, listening and you know all over Twitter. I've been saying that that is a massive area of weakness for United. Somebody screening that defence, able to take the ball off that defence comfortably and and play those balls forward. I think I saw a stat that only Messi, Trent and De Bruyne had played more balls into the final third than Lissandro in Europe's leagues or something last year. So he's a guy that can step into that. I mean, Ajax's defenders, let's be honest, most of the time in, in Eredivisie games are going to be in that defensive midfield position. They're going to be so high up. There's no reason why he can't come to United and play in the similar areas with, you know, Maguire and Varane slotted in behind him. He's comfortable on the ball. Obviously, he's a little bit too small for me to go into defence straight away. And I can't see which one, if they're both available, he comes in for uh, out of Varane and Maguire. And I think Lindelof's a comfortable deputy as a third choice. And, and like I say, if, if Ten Hag does bring him in, I've seen a lot saying that he played centre-back all year last year. He did. But when he first came in to Ajax, he did start off in defensive midfield. He has moved further back. But if Ten Hag is going to bring Martinez in and put him straight into the midfield, I don't think anybody can argue with it because, you know, there's probably nobody better for knowing this guy's strengths and weaknesses and what he's able to do and what he's not able to do than the guy that brought him to Ajax and, and has nurtured him over the last two or three seasons. So it's a signing that makes sense. It's a signing especially 
you know, he's versatile. You've already spoken about that. He can play centre-half. So he is a good fourth-choice centre-half if we really need it. He can go left-back if we have any issues there. Luke Shaw loves an injury. And, and most of all, he could be, you know, a defensive-minded player in that midfield, hopefully next to a Frankie de Jong, Frankie's bodyguard, but also a player that can play himself, obviously. With those stats that I mentioned before, he's very comfortable on the ball, left-footed player, a bit of balance there in your midfield and a bit of bite as well because we all know Argentinians love a tackle. Um, so all, all around a good signing for United I don't really see many um, negatives to it unless like I say he does come in and Ten Hag shoves him straight into the defensive positions that could be an area for concern in terms of a position of potential weakness that other teams could try and exploit when they come to Old Trafford the fact that he you know simply is a five foot nine centre back in the Premier League and there's not really any how many of that height have there ever been that's been, you know, of elite level in football? I mean, you're talking Baresi and Cannavaro, who we were yeah. two and probably, you know, two, two of a kind that, you know, two of the best centre-backs of all time and he probably isn't going to be that. So to be a really successful top-level centre-back at that height, you need to be of the Cannavaro and uh, Baresi ilk. And, you know, if he is, then fucking hell, pay whatever it takes. But it, it's highly unlikely. So, like like I say, I think he's going to end up being that number six. Versatile, can play in other areas. But, you know, for 45 million, you can't really go wrong. No, you can't go wrong for that price. And especially after, like you said, Ten, Ten Hag knows the guy like the back of his hand. So he, he obviously trusts this lad. He obviously trusts Timber as well, who, he, like you said, he was looking at at the start of the window. But Stan, quickly, let's talk about the teams at the other end of the table. So a couple of teams yeah. that have done a bit of smart business. We've, we've mentioned Newcastle on this podcast with, obviously, Nick Pope coming in, Matt Target coming in on a permanent deal. And Newcastle just just splashing a bit of cash, really, and especially getting Sven Botman. But another team stand that have been splashing a bit of cash, Brentford. So they've actually signed a player that I know of uh, called Aaron Hickey. So he actually came from the SPL, but he actually was signed for Bologna a few years ago. But he's a, a wing back. He's really good. He suits them systemically down to a T. Uh, obviously, he's learned his trade out there in Serie A, beco- becoming this wing back. And they're just doing really smart business. They've obviously got Jose Raya as well between the sticks who picked up an unfortunate injury last year. And they've gone and got Strakowski, I believe his name is. But it's yeah. the former Lazio keeper and Chelsea were looking at this guy to deputise Kepa. But the guy's been playing for Lazio, so he's a, he's a starter straight away. I think he comes straight into that team. And then they've they've just signed a, a lad from Hull as well, who I can't remember his name off my head. But he's I remember you saying he's quite similar to Jared Bowen. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of people saying that, um, you know, Umbermo, Tony, and I can't remember the name of the other guy. I'm with you there. I can't remember his name. um, Could be a very, very strong front three. And I mean, Brentford... Uh, you know, the transfer-wise do play off that uh, that money ball kind of system. So I'm sure that these players would have been really, really well scouted. Um, I mean, you look at you look at that Brentford team, some of the players that they brought in, you, you've, you've got no idea where they were two or three years ago, but there's yeah. solid Premier League players now in Thomas Frank's system. So uh, it's not necessarily the names that matter, but I think he's a really, really good Frank and he's... he's his staff and his his scouting uh, his scouting team at picking those profiles for the system and 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 for the team. So I'm sure, I'm sure they'll both be very good signings. Like I say, Strakoshka, um, Albanian goalkeeper, mid twenties, yeah. I think, for three. So 
you know, even if all if things go wrong, you sell him in a few years for a few million, and for a club like Brentford, a few million pound profit, you you can't really sniff at that. So, uh, really, really low risk. Uh, like you say, David Raya, a very good keeper, I think, very good with his feet, suits that system to a T. And and Aaron Hickey there, who's who's going going to go in at right back, I believe, who I think played on the left, but is right footed. Yeah, yeah, uh, twenty two million years, so. quid as well. So, yeah, so it, it's a it's a decent amount of money, and I did see that there is a a, a page on Twitter for some reason, which is very very niche, which is uh, how many days until Brentford have signed a right back? So I'm assuming that was something that Brentford fans have always been wanting, and uh, I did see that the day that he got signed, or a few hours before it was officially signed, Brentford quoted that page and said, soon to be zero, or words to that effect. So that's how they broke the news. And then, like I say, Aaron Hickey was uh, was holding the uh, holding up the Brentford shirts. So a few good signings. And like I say, with the money ball technique yeah. that they go for in the transfer window, I've no doubt that uh, Thomas Frank will have done his homework. Yeah, and the, the lad's name from earlier that Brentford have just signed from Hull, it's Keen Lewis Porter. So that's his yeah. name. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, very, very similar to Jared Bowen by all accounts. I'm, I don't watch a lot of the championship, especially if it's not on telly. And I'm not pretending to know who this guy is, but the people that do are saying he's pretty good. So we're passing on that. They expect him to do as well as, as Bowen as well in terms of coming from Hull, coming into a Premier League side and, and, you know, being a player that, you know, like Bowen, he signed a few years ago. Maybe this lad in a few years could be a player that the top six are looking at, like, like, you know, some clubs are with Bowen. So, fair play to Brentford. I do like them. I like how they play as a club. Uh, I like how they run and uh, I like how they play football. So, no, yeah. no, uh, no moans with uh, with their setup at all. No, no moans with that setup, Stan. But you might have plenty to moan about, especially if you're a Bournemouth fan. They've only brought one signing in. It was for free, and it's ex West Ham fullback Ryan Fredericks. What do you think of that one? Um. I think they've signed. Um, I think they have signed. I think they've signed a second free, haven't they? I think it was it Joe Rothwell who was at Blackburn. I only know that because uh, he was at United years ago with Ben Pearson, <clears throat> and I believe Ben Pearson is at Bournemouth. So they're both being uh, reunited, which is lovely for those uh, 2014-15 United Academy fans. So um, yeah, Ryan Fredericks um, and Joe Rothwell, like I say. You know, all due respect to Fredericks. I know he's been at, at West Ham, but he probably is a, a, a top-level championship player, maybe lower-end prem player at best. He has got that experience, I suppose, which might help them. Joe Rothwell's coming up from the championship from Blackburn as well on a free, but they're going to need more than that if, if they're not going to go straight back down, I think. Yeah, and just another another team that are obviously they're keeping it pretty tight to the chest. Nathan Collins from, from Burnley, Stan. He's gone to Wolves for twenty point five million. I think yeah. for, for a guy who's just got relegated, who didn't pull up a lot of trees in the Prem, is this maybe a little bit too much money? Um, I, I don't know because I, I I know that a lot of people, a lot of football people, should we say, and a lot of uh, top clubs were, uh, you know, top six, top seven, top eight Premier League clubs were keeping their eye on this lad. I think he's only about 22 years old. They signed him from Stoke a few years ago. Uh, but he's, whenever I've seen him, I know he hasn't been amazing, but I've always thought that he was better than better than the championship anyway and, and very comfortable on the ball for a, a Burnley centre-half. So I'm sure in that back three that Wolves and uh, Wolves love to play, uh, he, he can do that really well. And I, I do think he'll play on the right-hand side of that three because I think was Kilman playing on that side 
he's left footed yeah. so and Saiz so a little bit a little bit imbalanced so I think Kilman and Saiz both left footed so they had to put Kilman on that right hand side so I'd assume Collins slots straight in there and Wolves love a deep line so do Burnley so I'm sure he can slot straight in there next to Connor Cody who's very experienced and very vocal and I'm sure he'll he'll probably be at a, a bigger club let's say in the next two or three years if his trajectory is is to be believed and his potential is to be achieved that rhymes good yeah. luck Nathan Collins yeah definitely and just as we're just winding down here obviously as player that you said will go straight into that Wolves team, another player that could have potentially gone straight into that Wolves team with Sice leaving for nothing. But he's ended up at Everton, Stan. James Tarkowski, I know he's a player that you actually like, and obviously this is a yeah. free transfer. I know Everton haven't done a lot of business, but some smart business so far with the one signing they have made. Definitely, definitely. I mean, again, Everton not so much as, as Bournemouth, because obviously they are a Premier League club, but yeah. we all know what happened with Everton last year. Uh, James Sarkowski is a very solid signing. I mean, Everton's centre-halves, you always, you look at them and they've got a different pairing most weeks, but this is a guy that seemed to play all the time for Burnley next to Ben Mee, no matter what. Um, so I think he's a guy that will be fit, uh, will, will be fine going to Everton. Uh, he's played for England before, he's, uh, uh, you know, at an international level. He's played in the Premier League for years. And like I say, most importantly, I mean, at centre-half, you need availability and reliability. And, and, you know, he's not the cleanest and the most technical of centre-halves. But in terms of, you know, for free as well, this is a guy like he's, he's going to be reliable, you know, exactly what you're getting. And he's going to be available most weeks. So you can build that uh, centre-half pairing with your Jordan Pickford and, and build on that. And I think Everton will struggle next year. They've lost Richarlison, which we spoke about last week, and they've not replaced him yet as well. Although there are some murmurs that Memphis... Depay might be uh, might be going over to Goodison. So we'll keep an eye on that one. We might be talking about that in the future. But um, for the moment, they haven't signed anyone apart from Mr. Tarkowski. So, you yeah. know, try and take it as a positive. But Everton, again, like Bournemouth, not, not as bad as Bournemouth. But if the season started tomorrow or the transfer window closed tomorrow, yeah, it's not looking good for Everton at all. So they better get the finger out and get some signings in. Yeah, definitely. And a team who I think will, I, you can quote me on this now, I feel like they will get relegated. And I know it's not like this, it's not this like um, premonition that's um, that's even a difficult one. But I think Fulham are going down 100%. I, I just hate the business they've done so far. They've signed yeah. Andreas Pereira from Man United, who I think's a bang average player at the best of time. They bought him to play in a 4-3-3 as an eight. And the guy was playing in Brazil at the back end of last season. That just shows realistically where his ambitions are. And they've gone and signed a guy called Jao Polina from Sporting for 17 million. Again, I'm not going to pretend like I watched Liga Nost. So we'll talk about Pereira Stan. He's gone to Fulham. He's been out on loan about a million and one signs, but he's finally left United permanently. He has. He's finally left United and we've got 13 million for him, which actually brings our net spend right now to, to pretty much nothing because Malassia cost about that as well. So with Christian Eriksen on a free, which is all but confirmed, and before Martinez comes in right now, it's it's nothing. So great business for United. Okay, business for Fulham. I, I do think he'll be all right there. Uh, I can actually see him scoring a couple of goals in the first like five or six games. Some screamers, because he only scores screamers. And then... Uh, Clubs will probably think, well, if if we stop him, then you know they're not going to do too much. We need to stop him at least on the edge of the area because the one thing Andreas Pereira's got is is a good strong shot. 
So everyone, hope you're enjoying this episode of the Cookie Podcast this week, but unfortunately it is the time where we have to love you and leave you, but fortunately for you lot, it's also the time where we tell you where you can find us when we're not doing podcasts, so you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at cookiepodcast1, that's at cookiepodcast followed by the number one, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google and now Amazon Podcasts, just search in, that's the way the cookie crumbles, and if you're liking the content, you're enjoying the podcast, please share it, pass it on to friends and family greatly appreciated from the cookie pod boys it's been episode 143 and that's the way the cookie crumbles